My name is Keith Beavers, and I went down a duet rabbit hole this weekend, and I gotta say, it's either, it's, you know, it's up to Endless Love or Baby Come to Me as the best duets, like, out there. I miss karaoke so much. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 13 of Vine Pairs Wine 101 Podcast Season 2. My name is Keith Beavers. I'm the tastings director of Vine Pair. And how you doing? I'm sure you see Cote de Rhone or Rhone wine all over the place, every supermarket, every wine shop. Let's kind of just break it down a little bit to understand generally, like, what is the Rhone? What are we doing here? What's the Rhone? It's wonderful. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Jay Vineyards and Winery. For over 30 years, Jay Vineyards and Winery has developed a reputation as one of the top sparkling and varietal wine producers in California. With styles from bright and bubbly to bold and complex, Jay Wines offer remarkable range and exceptional craftsmanship that you'll want to share. Jay has come to be known for its celebrated estate vineyards, contemporary winery, and world-class hospitality. Uncork joy with Jay and let life bubble over. I feel like the words Cote du Rhone, American wine drinkers are very familiar with. It just seems like everywhere you go in the United States, no matter whether it's a, a wine shop, a boutique wine shop, a liquor store wine shop, or a supermarket, there's always a Cote du Rhone in the French section. And it's like, I, f- I also feel like Cote du Rhone is very popular in America, but it's not so popular like Malbec, where it's just, everyone's ravenous for it. But it is a wine that everyone, it's almost a go-to wine, European wine for Americans, which is really cool. But the thing is, Cote du Rhone is just one wine that comes from the Rhone Valley in France. When you buy an affordable Cote de Rhone on a Tuesday night for burgers, you're just scratching the surface of the possibilities of what you can enjoy from the Rhone. Partly why we're secretly obsessed with Cote de Rhone wine and the, and the reason why it's on all the shelves, I think, is because in the, in the 1980s, there were a small group of winemakers in California there was uh, a, one of them was Randall Graham from Bonnie Dune. There was Bob Linquist from Coupe. Um, but they, they decided it was their mission in life to make wine from varieties that were native to the Rhone Valley. These were v- grapes that, had, that were just sitting around in California in vineyards, not really being paid attention to. And they decided to kind of grab that by the horns and create this new sort of style of California wine at a time when Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Chardonnay were like the dominant wines of the region. And I feel like this this is the moment in our history where we started being curious about wines made from grapes that are pretty much native to or thrive in the Rhone Valley. And today, you know, besides just the ubiquitous Cote de Rhone wine, which is awesome, and we're going to get to it. There are so many other great wines from the Rhone, but you may not know it because it doesn't say Cote de Rhone in the bottle all the time. So let's get you familiar with the Rhone wine region of France. Because really, the Rhone 
Valley growing region of France kind of has a dual personality. Let's get into it. The Rhone River begins in a mountain reservoir in south-central Switzerland. It then flows west through Switzerland, through the Alps. It dumps into Lake Geneva and then continues on the other side of that lake, eventually making its way into France. Once this river gets into France, it starts to head south. And as it gets further and further south, when it gets past the town of Lyon, it begins to cut through the Central Massif and the Alps. The Central Massif is that large, large piece of land we talked about in the Burgundian episode. And from Lyon, it goes south and cuts through a very continental climate full of schist and granite. And as it moves south, it leaves this continental granite-like land and goes into a more Mediterranean climate where the land flattens out a little bit. It's a lot warmer, and eventually it dumps into the Mediterranean. This is the Rhone River. And the thing about the Rhone River is one of the major trade rivers throughout the history of Europe. And because of that, humans have been hanging out around this river for a very long time, and you know Wine has been around for a long time. This is Europe. This is France. We had the Greeks doing it. We had the Romans there. We had the Dukes of Burgundy were there. We had the, it was, it's been, wine has been being made there for a long time, like a lot of places in Europe. And as usual, the history is deep, complex with twists and turns, and I love it, and I can't talk all about it, but just know that like, there's been human activity here for a very long time. And one of the reasons we can't get into all these really fun and cool stories is because this region is pretty huge. It spans 150 miles of the Rhone River from Lyon down to the Mediterranean. And from Lyon, going south, the first 60 or so miles of this river is what is considered the Northern Rhone. It's one section of the the Rhone wine-growing region. Then there's about a 25-mile or so gap along the river between vineyards. And then the last 60 miles or so is what is called the Southern Rhone. So a good way to start understanding this region is that there is a Northern Rhone, and then there was a Southern Rhone. And with that big gap between the two wine-growing regions, it's pretty interesting why it's all one region. I mean, it's all in this one valley, but they are, they are very different wine regions within this region. Does that make sense? It's almost like a wine-growing region that has dual personalities. The northern part of the Rhone only produces about 5% of the total output of the entire region. And it's here in these granite-poor soils that hug the Rhone River where... Syrah shines the brightest. This is also the area where they believe the vine was first cultivated in this area when it was called Gaul back in the day before the Romans. In the Northern Rhone, Syrah is the only red variety allowed to be grown and made into wine. For white, it's a grape called Viognier. And for the Northern Rhone, because it produces such, so much less in the Southern, I can get a little bit into it. On the northern part, the most northern appellation of the Northern Rhone is an appellation called Cote Roti, otherwise known as the Roasted Slope. It's named that because the way the vineyards are trained, they get a ton of sun. But what you guys should know about the Cote Roti region is it's small. 
and the majority of the wines are expensive. But the unique thing about this appellation is that they often blend Syrah with the white wine Viognier. It's an absolute stunning result for a wine. You have this this sort of like a roasty, peppery, awesome uh, Syrah blended with this very floral, aromatic Viognier. It makes these awesome, supple, smooth wines. They're expensive. If you get a chance, though, wow. And this is all on the left bank of the Rhone River. And as we keep going south on the left bank, we hit the next appellation called Condru or Condro. I'm so bad at French. This wine appellation only does Viognier. And it's a small appellation, so it can be kind of expensive. But this appellation is what Amer- how America fell in love with Viognier. If you see Viognier a lot in California, a lot of that is because of the popularity of this appellation. When done right, Viognier is stunning. Stunning, almost dizzying with its floral notes. It's very aromatic. It's kind of honeyed. It's just, it. it's a very satisfying white wine when it's done in small quantities and just right. And this, this Appalachian does it. Still on that bank of the river, going south, you hit this large Appalachian, large for the Northern Rhone, called Saint-Joseph or Saint-Joseph. You will see a good amount of Saint-Joseph on the market, and if it's red, it's going to be all Syrah. And it gets very close to the really crazy pure expressions I'll talk about in a second. But it's, it's awesome. It's affordable. It's spicy. It's peppery. It's good. They also do a white wine. And it's not Viognier. There are two other white wine varieties in the Rhone that are often made and blended together. A grape by the name of Marsan and a grape by the name of Roussan. The wines made from these grapes are super cool. They're almost savory. Um, a little bit peppery, a little bit, not, I mean, oily, but not in a bad way. It has like a sort of a viscosity to them. Beautiful stuff. And white Saint-Joseph would probably be a blend of one of those two, not Viognier. Viognier kind of stops at Condru. Condro. And from like the middle of Saint-Joseph, you cross the river over to the right bank, and there is a hill there that's right on the river, and that hill is full of granite, and it's its own little appellation, and it makes some of the best, most expressive Syrah in the world. If you follow me on Instagram, at Keith, at one point, I had an opportunity to taste one of these wines recently, and it, it'll, it, no words, it will blow your mind. This is the, some of the most smokiest, pepperiest, savoriest, umamiest, uh, concentrated, age-worthy wine in the world is grown on the hill of Hermitage. It's named after a, uh, a knight that was in the Crusades, and he came back, and he ended up, um, I think, you know, being a hermit on that hill. And it's a legend. I don't even know if, we don't even know if it's real or not, but this is it. This is the pinnacle of Syrah. It's expensive stuff. Wines from Hermitage will age 30 years. This is 30 years, 30 years more. These, this is where Syrah is, is, is it's everything. But what's, it's expensive. It's almost impossible to approach only on special occasions and all that. But what's really awesome is there's a larger appellation that surrounds that small little hill. It's called Crow's Hermitage, C-R-O-Z-E dash Hermitage. And this area also grows primarily Syrah. 
but the thing is, it's not, you know, it's not going to have that crazy concentration as you would get in, in, um, in Hermitage, but it's a larger appellation and it is an awesome expression of Syrah. Whereas Saint Joseph is kind of dark and smoky and easy to drink and sort of like almost like just a little more depth of fruit. The Syrah from Crow's Hermitage have this really awesome, bright, almost cinnamon orange peel feel to them, along with the pepper, along with the savory. They're a little bit lighter. They have a little more acidity. They're very approachable. They do whites here as well, and it's usually a blend of Roussan and, and Marsan. But it's the Syrahs and Crow's Hermitage that I think is a really great introduction to like um, just a Syrah from the Northern Rhone. And then you can move around from there. You can start wherever you want. But Crow's Hermitage is an awesome place. Back over on the left bank, just south of Saint-Joseph, that large region, is this very small, one of the smallest wine regions in France called Cornas, C-O-R-N-A-S. This place is sort of like the deep, dark, concentrated wine that Saint-Joseph can't be. It's, it, it is, it's kind of a nice sort of age-worthy alternative to the craziness of Hermitage. The Syrahs in Cornas are deep and dark and smoky and almost like a, almost like a mocha heaviness to them. They're just powerful wines and they can age as a long time as well, but they're approachable earlier than the wines of Hermitage. So that's basically the Northern Rhone we're going to see on the market. There are a couple other small things going on in Northern Rhone that we don't really see so much here. There's an estate that is literally one appellation. There's also an area uh, that does um, sparkling wine from Roussan and Marsan, but you're not going to see a lot of that here. The thing about the Northern Rhone, if you noticed, all of these, all of these places, when you see the wine labels, you're going to see Saint Joseph, you're going to see Condru, you're going to see, you're not going to see Côte de Rhone. You're just going to see those words. So you're in the Northern Rhone. The Northern Rhone is not something you'll see in a label, but those appellations I just mentioned are what you will see. So if you see Saint Joseph, you know, okay, Northern Rhone, that's only Syrah. I got it. Everything changes 25 miles south of the Northern Rhone. So the Northern Rhone is basically 5% of the total output of the Rhone region. The Southern Rhone is the other 95%. The majority of the wine from the Rhone that we see on the market in the United States is from the Southern Rhone. It is huge, huge. It's a very flat land. It's not as hilly and granitic. Is that the word? It doesn't have as much granite as, as the continental climate. We're in a Mediterranean climate here. It sprawls out. And it really is all centered around this uh, city called Orange or Orange. This is a much warmer area. It gets more sun, and Syrah doesn't really jive well in this area. It doesn't really ripen that well. So down here, there's a whole different list of varieties that are used that are not used in the north. There's a couple, but not much. Actually, there are well over 20 varieties of grape that are allowed to be used in the southern Rhone to make wine. It's crazy. Part of that is because this is where Chateauneuf de Pop is one of the most famous noble wine regions in France and in the Rhone and in the Southern Rhone. And this is the area where the blueprint for the Appalachian system of France, which inspired every other country, this is where it began. 
And part of it was in response to fraud because of the popularity of the wine in the area. It's a crazy cool story, but and I, I wish I could tell you all of it, but what I will say and what's important about this is the amount of varieties that are used in this place is a result of that. It was a list of varieties that were in the area that could be used. And to this day, you can still use them. But the thing is, the majority of the winemakers in this area basically use two varieties, Grenache and Movedra, and then there are other varieties like Carignan, Cunoise, and Sanso, or other red variety of grapes they use to blend into it. Then there are like all these other varieties you can use. And that's a general statement. Trends change, like Movedra is more popular today. It wasn't always that popular, but those are the main varieties, but there's all these other varieties that winemakers can use to make small little amounts and blends to make the individual wines their own. And there's some white wine here, but the Rhone Valley in general, wine lovers, is a red wine region. There is white wine being made in the south. Like Chateauneuf-du-Pop does have white wine in some of the other areas. And it's usually going to be a blend of Roussan and Marsan. It's just a very comparatively extremely small amount. So this is how the Southern Rhone shakes out for you guys to understand. It's kind of a three-tiered system. And I'm going to start from the outside, and I'm going to work in. At the beginning of this episode, I talked about Cote de Rhone, a wine called Cote de Rhone. This category is almost 50% of the entire output of the Rhone. And if the Southern Rhone has 95% of the output, the majority of the Cote de Rhone that you're buying for $15 a bottle is going to be from the Southern Rhone. But some of the grapes might be sourced from the Northern Rhone. Because the Cote de Rhone, just straight up Cote de Rhone AOC appellation from France, can have wine from anywhere in the valley, north or south. And that's almost 200 villages with vines they can source from. That's why it's usually good, young burger wine. Then there's Cote de Rhone village. You remember the village idea from the Burgundy episode? It's basically villages. So this, what this is, this is a a category of wine in the Rhone where you're getting a little more geographical. You're not necessarily going to be sourcing from all over the Rhone. You're sourcing from 48 specific villages and the vines within those villages. Those villages at some point, if they gain reputation and recognition can be elevated to the next category. And that category is Cote Rhone Village as well, but with a geographical name. And right now, it'll always change. There are 21 villages that can put their names on the label. I can't go through all the names now. Some of them are pretty, pretty long. But you, when you're going to a wine shop, you can say, can I get a Vote Cote Rhone Village with a geographical name to it? And they'll know what you're talking about. The next level itself is an actual appellation. So you've gone from Cote Rhone in general to Cote Rhone Village to Cote Rhone Village with an actual geographical name to an actual, that geographical name becoming the actual appellation. That's when we have Chateauneuf du Pape, Vaquiras, Gigondas. And actually in 2009, which is kind of crazy, before 2009, I sold. Cote de Rhone Rasteau, which was a village with a geographical name. And then after 2009, a couple of vintages later, I just sold Rasteau because it was elevated from a village with a geographical name to an actual appellation. It's crazy. It's wine. This stuff happens all the time. And all of these 
like Gigondas and Vakiras that I mentioned, when you look at them, when you see the bottle, it's just going to say that. It's not going to say Cotarone this. It's just going to say Vakiras, Gigondas, Chateauneuf de Pop. And these are all wines that are blends of what is being used in the area, but because of their terroir and because of their traditions in making wine in those areas, they are different. Therefore, they can be separated out and called their own thing. It's kind of how, again, it's how wine works. And what's really crazy is if you guys have ever had a Chateauneuf de Pop or any of the wines from the Southern Rhone that are actually these deep concentrated Appalachians is they're big, full-bodied wines. Across the river from Chateauneuf de Pop, the Rhone River, is one of the only primarily rosé regions in France called Tavel or Tavel, T-A-V-E-L. Provence does a bunch of rosé, but they also do red wine and they do white wine. Tavel only does rosé. This is very cool. They, I mean, the varieties are um, Grenache, uh, Mavedra, and a little bit of Claret, which is a white blending variety. These rosés are deep, kind of ruby red. They're refreshing and, you know, serve chilled, of course, but they have like a, a little bit of a, a more moderate acidity. There's a little more weight on the palate, but they're, they're a little bit savory. Sometimes you get a little, a little bit of tannin in there. And what's cool about the rosé wines of Tavel or Tavel is that they actually age. I've heard of them aging up to 10 years, but the norm is like five years. They don't get a lot of play on the American market, but when you find one, grab it because they're really cool and they're awesome with food. All right, guys, that is a Rhone Valley snapshot. That is the Rhone. Now you can go out there into wine shops, go to the Rhone session and go, I know what all of that means. Is that a San Joseph? It's 100% Shiraz. Shiraz is really good. I know the blend. I wonder what this one It's going to be so much fun. Enjoy. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Jay Vineyards and Winery. For over 30 years, Jay Vineyards and Winery has developed a reputation as one of the top sparkling and varietal wine producers in California. With styles from bright and bubbly to bold and complex, Jay Wines offer remarkable range and exceptional craftsmanship that you'll want to share. Jay has come to be known for its celebrated estate vineyards, contemporary winery, and world-class hospitality. Uncork joy with Jay and let life bubble up.